Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to LettermanRow.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham, and this is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Buyers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, head to BuyersAuto.com, find out what they got there for you. If you're looking for stuff about Ohio State football recruiting, myself and Zach Carpenter are going to break down a number of Ohio State's most recent offers, the in-state commitment from defensive line legacy Will Smith, and the push toward signing day part deux. So let's get to it. Zach Carpenter is here. I am here. We are here. We are talking stuff. Zach, there's one week until the second signing day period, second signing day, whatever you want to call it, uh, finally arrives. And as we sit here today, I think there should be very little drama for Ohio State leading up to that day. So like Carson Hinsman's committed, no worries about him flipping anywhere else or signing with Wisconsin as at this point. I assume if he was going to do that, it'd be pretty under the radar, but I don't think there's any concern. Um, for a month, we've talked about Omari Amor. Let's just dive in there, because that one's the one I think people are worried about or want to know about the most. So still no visits planned for him, right? So what do we do now if you're Ohio State? Well, I first of all, with all these like billions and billions of offers going out to the 23 and 24 kids uh in those classes like kind of forget that oh yeah the 2022 class still has a couple uh loose ends to kind of uh to finish out here um but like you said hensman no worries there but amari abor i guess it's one of those sweat out any last minute visits i mean we are in the recruiting live period right yeah, so for three more days for three more days yeah. and that's why it gets weird yep and he wasn't planning on coming back to Ohio State at all. So that's probably still not, that's obviously not going to happen before he signs. So don't you kind of feel like it's one of those 
not not that it's out of Ohio State's control, but they already have laid everything out on the table for him. Like we have talked about several times, Ohio State staff is the one that sort of went to bat for him. They're the ones who went the hardest for him for the longest period of time. So now it's kind of just like, all right, Amari, ball's in your court, right? Yeah, and it's that that court, though, the time to get on it is shrinking. And it's oftentimes when you see a player who's from a distance, who's from you know a, a place far away from Ohio, that that last weekend before signing day, they, they find a way to sneak in a trip, right? Whether it's to Texas or LSU, wherever it's going to be that he's interested, Florida, somewhere close maybe. Um, at this juncture, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, one week to signing day. There hasn't been any talk from Omar Yabor and his camp to Ohio State about a visit anywhere else. So, you know, at this point, I think Ohio State feels like they're in a good spot, but you just never know what happens in college football recruiting, yeah. even, in, even in 48 hours. Yeah, I was gonna say 48 hours, 70, 72 hours. There's just it's like the finish line, right? It's like that last stretch of the Kentucky Derby, and we're kind of in it. We're in the thick of it. And it's, this has felt like the longest recruiting cycle ever. I don't know if it does if it's felt like that for you, but the 22 cycle has felt like it's gone on for eons. No, I can I agree in the fact that what you said, like I can't believe this is still going on. Like it we're talking so much about 23s, 24s, even 25s watching them in Florida this weekend and you're going to St. Louis this upcoming week to see a bunch of, you know, a handful of players over there. But there are some key pieces left in 22 that have to be added in Ohio state for that class. Number four in the country right now, according to the on three uh, team rankings, like to stay there, they need to wrap this up with Carson Hinsman, Omar Yabor. And then there's potentially the cherry on top with Christian Miller, the four-star defensive tackle from Georgia, who, no one really has any idea. I mean, I, this has been one of the weirdest recruitments that I've ever covered. And it's not because I think Christian's actually doing it on purpose. I truly believe that he doesn't know what he wants to do yet. And I think he's just a kid who really likes so many people and so many different opportunities that it seems impossible for him to pick the right one out of great choices. Yeah. And he has that sort of magnetic personality, right? He loves when people are drawn to him, he loves sort of that, that uh, extroverted outgoing personality where he really connects with a lot of people, uh, just like you said. So I know there's, he just took an official visit to Oregon a couple of weeks ago and then Florida A&M and, and then Miami. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's, he's wrapped them all up. So now it's like, you know, three weeks ago, he told me in San, San Antonio, Zach, that Ohio state and Georgia are the top two by a, a wide margin. Then he gets back from Oregon and says, Oh, Oregon's right in the mix. And then it's like, Oh, maybe Miami's the move. Like, and see, for, for something like that, I mean, this is like one of those old recruiting adages, I guess, is don't uh, don't make a decision out of emotion. And the first 48 hours after a visit, you're just so pulled. You don't you want to commit to every school after each visit. I think it was uh, Hero Canoe was one of the most recent guys who told me that it's like, yeah, the visit's always awesome. So then you you're pulled to that uh, to that program and those coaches. And Christian Miller has had that relationship with Dan Lanning from his time recruiting him at Georgia. So there's an even extra uh, stronger pull there. But don't you get the feeling, even despite the mystery that Christian Miller's recruitment is shrouded in, don't you get the feeling that it's still Ohio State versus Georgia? And I've I've had Georgia um, for for a long while, and it's obviously going to come down to that relationship with Larry Johnson. Is that enough to kind of carry the day? But don't you don't you still kind of get the feeling? I know it's hard because of how uh, how confusing this recruitment's been. No, I mean, I, I think that it is those two. And I, I, I don't I don't think Christian took these last trips 
to Miami and Oregon and, and Florida A&M even just for fun. I think he's legitimately trying to figure out, is there a different path? You know, this is a kid who's from Florida originally, not from Georgia, but he's got a great relationship with Trey Scott at Georgia, the defensive line coach. He's best friends with a number of players going to Georgia, uh, Michael Williams being one of them. And the defensive line hall they have at Georgia is one of the best of all time. I mean, it's crazy. might be the second best in this recruiting cycle, but it's still one of the best of all time when you talk about Texas A&M and what they've done. Um, but, yeah, there is that Ohio State pull and the relationship, not just with Larry Johnson, but the impact of Antoine Jackson at Ohio State, who even though Antoine won't be there, you know, Antoine's got four years of, of experience to tell him about what to expect at Ohio State. I mean, not just what to expect at Ohio State, but what to expect in the SEC when he played at Auburn for a year and understands how these things work. Um, the Ryan Day relationship with Christian Miller is very real. And I think that there is a part of this where the chance to impact Ohio State's program early is different at uh, for Christian Miller than it is at Georgia. And I think that that has to play a part in this. The Buckeyes need a player like Christian Miller, six foot four, 300 pounds, extremely quick. You couple him on the inside of that line with Hero Canoe and Tyleek Williams and Michael Hall over these last two cycles, and you have something truly special on the inside of that line. Just dudes who are all built relatively the same, except for Tyleek, who's a little heavier. But those other guys at six foot four, 300 pounds are quick as a hiccup. And you put them all together, and, and it's a it's a game wrecker in the Big Ten. And Christian's just a guy that I I just think he fits the Ohio State personality so well that it's hard for me to discount the Buckeyes, despite the fact that I think a lot of people and people I trust who cover Georgia have told me that he's been a silent commitment to Georgia since September. So, like, how do you how do you balance it? And does that silent commitment matter if it's not public? And I I would say it doesn't, right? I, I kind of feel like he's a fit any a personality fit wherever he goes because he's that type of kid. I mean. He, he, at Ohio State, he would probably be like a, a B.B. Landers type where people are just drawn to him. He's sort of a fan favorite. Um, but and I want to touch on you said it would be truly special. They already have something truly special with the four guys they have uh, stacking on to the four guys they got in the 2021 class on a defensive line. But like you said, and I think he's more of a cherry on top at this at this point, but pretty big cherry on top. You know, what I mean, like he's still a pretty talented kid. So he's probably just going to wind up going to Jackson State or something and pull something wild out of, out of his head, like out, out of nowhere, right? Well, I mean, that's what I think. I guess if he would have visited Jackson State last week instead of Florida A&M, I could actually see that. There has been some discussion from folks out in the recruiting world that Deion Sanders thinks he has another uh, trick up his sleeve here as we head into the second signing period. He's obviously already wrapped up Travis Hunter and then took Kevin Coleman from uh, St. Louis, the wide receiver. And now there's some talk that he's got something else working. And, Hell, I mean, Zach, I'm not going to be surprised if that's Omari Abor. Like, I just, you just don't know right now with the class of 2022 what's happening. I don't actually think it's Omari Abor, but nothing would surprise me is what I'm trying to say. You, I mean, just, so, you just made the YouTube comments and the message the forum comments just go nuts just with that suggestion. Uh, I know, I know. And I'm sorry. If you're being cryptic, it means you think something, Berm. So I'm not being cryptic. I'm just saying, like, anything could pop, anything, anything, anything could happen. Anything is possible. Kevin Garnett, baby. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. Um, you know, and, and some of the impact of Christian Miller's potential recruitment uh, and potential uh, signing has been mitigated by this week with Ohio State receiving a commitment uh, from Will Smith Jr., who was offered a week ago and, and then committed three days ago um, on one of these secret visits Ohio State had on Saturday. They had Will Smith. They had Luke Montgomery. They had um, – 
Malik Hartford from Lakota West, who was offered a scholarship by the Buckeyes, as we talked about last week. And I said last week on the show, I thought it would be a couple of days until he was offered, and that turned out to work out okay. Um, so all, sometimes, uh, you know, they had the uh, defensive lineman, uh, A.J. Hoffer from Georgia up, who I put in a uh, RPM pick, a recruiting prediction machine selection for Ohio State. I've done that today for Malik Hartford. I think he'll end up in Columbus. Um, and Zach, we're starting to see just a little bit of momentum. You know, it's been slow and steady since the since the loss at Michigan. Ohio State really hasn't ha- taken any L's, and that is actually a huge part of this entire process. Yeah, they lost obviously a couple of guys at transfer portal, Quinn Ewers' departure, but then they signed you know Devin Brown, the number one ranked player in the country, by on three sports in his place. So uh, it, it turned out okay, and now you have this push in. We have seen with the three new coaches uh, on the defensive side of the ball, with Justin Fry on offense, we've seen Ohio State get very active on the recruiting trial in the last two weeks. Well, I would say first off that Xavier Wampa was was one of the L's that they did take. I think that has to be mentioned because of how um, highly prioritized he was. But I think this goes back with with the momentum they're now uh, shifting or the momentum they're now ga- uh, gaining in the 23 class goes back to what Ryan Day said. I think it was – is there the press conference on signing day during the early period or one of the two before where he said the 2022 classes are focused all the way through December and then January and February is really when that that's obviously when we start really shifting focus to 2023 class. And you've seen that with all these, this bevy, this flurry of offers go out. And now you're seeing them bring in, like you said, that group of guys in for sort of a group visit because they want they want that to sort of be their core, you know, those uh, the the names you just mentioned there. So this isn't really a surprise to me that we're seeing all this busyness in the in the 23 class. And I, I, I do think that by the time um, by the time we sit here in March, when we start going to spring, that is going to start filling up. And then recruiting is all about momentum is another one of those recruiting coverage cliches. Once one guy uh, pops in the class, everyone else kind of trickling down wants to secure their spot and uh, sort of lock that up. So I guess we're, we're already seeing movement. I think we probably could see a lot more coming down the pike here. Yeah. And I want to be clear, a lot of this stuff, especially when you're talking about the 24 class is really just introductions. It's, Hey, how you doing? You, you are a great athlete. We've seen your tape. You look great. You're down here in Southern Georgia. You should probably come up to Ohio state for a visit. We're offering you a scholarship and I actually talked to someone inside or close to the Buckeye program who's like, hey, I don't really like this time of year because evaluations aren't really being done on all these offers. It's just coaches having to do that. And it's that having to do it is made doubly important by the fact that you have a handful of new coaches who are trying to build some of that momentum at Ohio State and make sure kids are excited about the Buckeyes program. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, <laughs> kind of building off that, I wanted to mention, I had I had this working theory and I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty spot on that because of these new coaches, because of Perry Eliano and Jim Knowles and Tim Walton, Justin Fry, like all these new guys, okay, they're at their previous spots with the exception of Tim Walton, obviously, because he was in the NFL at their previous spots, they did evaluations of their own recruits. So maybe they're now they're putting in their suggestions for guys that they, that they want Ohio state to offer. And because of a new defensive scheme that like, they're going to want to, uh, add more offers for guys who they believe are better fits. So I asked someone uh, close to the Buckeyes uh, program like about that theory, and it was shot down pretty much instantly. I'm like, okay, so 
That, that theory is that theory is kaput. But it was a good thought, right? I mean, at least on, on paper it was. But I think, uh, like you said, it's more of an introduction. It's more they don't want to fall behind in this day and age of recruiting where an offer early means just that little extra bit of, of yeah. momentum, I guess, that little extra inch of a foot in the door. So I think that's more of what we're looking at here. Yeah, and those offers are designed, especially when they happen right now, as as players around the country start to set up spring visits. It's designed to be close to the top of the mind. So say, hey, Ohio State just offered me. I got to get up there and see Ohio State. Because for the Buckeyes to do well out of state, they have to get players on campus early in their recruitment. This is They generally do not fare very well if you're waiting on someone to get up to visit for an official visit in September or October or November when it comes to being the only opportunity to see that kid on campus. For the Buckeyes to do well, uh, I'll lose someone like Emeka Abuka, for example. Uh, that's a kid from 2,500 miles away. And Emeka got to Ohio State in February of 2019, um, I'm, I'm sorry, 2018, to, to see Ohio State for the first time. And that sort of really ramps up the interest for these kids who leave and say, hey, wow, that was that was actually something that I have to get back to. And I think a lot of times we're dealing with players around the country who are so used to seeing great things everywhere they go, especially in the South, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, A&M. I mean, all these teams have incredible facilities, incredible operations. And I think that at times people assume Ohio State isn't on that same level because they're not in the SEC. And I think it's extremely important for the Buckeyes to get these offers out early so that these kids get up and visit early because that's when the hay is really made. That kind of goes back like decades, doesn't it, where Ohio State has this perception because they're a Midwest school that maybe they're, I guess, not up to snuff with some of those powers that be in the South. Maybe, maybe that's part of it. I wonder because of all the the craziness of uh, the debt, the eighteen or fifteen month long dead period, that now we're sort of getting back to normal, I guess, as far as like all these offers go, and like you said, trying to get them on campus as soon as possible. Does it feel? Does this kind of feel like old times to you, Mister Mister Grady? A little bit. I mean, I think that it's interesting to see how different the perception is of Ohio State now versus then, but also they're, they are fighting that they're not, you know, in the SEC, um, that stigma of not being part of the SEC. So people in the South think that they're slow and that they don't care about football and they, their facilities are, they're not putting money into the program or whatever. But then the people in the Midwest and in the North think Ohio State's just a big football factory doesn't care about academics or care about having good players or good or good people. And so it's this weird, they kind of get it on both ends, which is bizarre. And I, I think, you know, we've talked about it before on the show, but Ohio state right now is recruiting much more against Notre Dame and Clemson uh, than they are a lot of times against um, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, et cetera. But as the program moves forward and as college football continues to evolve, they're going to have to find a balance of how to compete, on the recruiting trail against both of those sides. Um, and part of that is getting ahead with the offers. And you can't be quite as selective as they've been in the past couple of years as far as extending the offers. But you also have to understand that not, these offers don't mean anything until, for you know, for these class of 2024 kids, these offers don't mean anything until September 1st of 2023. So who cares? Yeah. And speaking of those new offers, I mean, you were able to go down to to Miami to see some of those guys kind of get that. I mean, it's early introduction for Ohio State coaches to some of these guys and it's early introduction for you. 
as yeah. well to see that to get to know them and like talk to them, but also kind of see their game. I know uh, Raul Aguirre, Mark Fletcher, some of those guys were were some of the guys that you saw. Who, who I guess, were like a couple um, outstanding thoughts from from that weekend spent down there. Like a couple guys that whose game you really liked, getting to know those guys. Well, I mean, I talked about it last week, players I really wanted to see, and I mentioned Jeremiah Smith and Brandon Ennis as two of them, and they both stood out to me tremendously, especially Jeremiah Smith. I think he was the best player there, period, as a class of 2024 wide receiver. Uh, I don't know that there – he might be the best receiver in the country, regardless of class right now. I, His size, his speed, the way he catches the ball. the I mean, you're talking – he reminds me of like A.J. Green, I guess is probably the, the comparison I'd come with. A.J. Green when he was – a younger guy and a healthier uh, option and, you know, in his early part of his career in Cincinnati and at Georgia. Um, I just think he's going to be phenomenal. I don't, I mean, Hart, Brian Hartline would take a commitment from him today. He would have taken a commitment from him six months ago if he could. Um, so that's one that, you know, is like real, real uh, Brandon Ennis. I, you know, I was just excited to see him in a competitive setting against like competition and, he was explosive. He was dynamic with the ball in his hands. He showed a lot of burst that I didn't know he had. But more than that, when Saint, when the South Florida Express got beat and upset and knocked out of the tournament earlier than anyone thought they would have, he was flat out pissed off. And I thought that was the best thing about the whole weekend. Um, I want to see a player in that setting where it's just sort of a lot of pomp and circumstance still want to dominate and win no matter what. And that's what I saw out of him for the first time. And so that was actually – like if on, on Berm's personal, you know, list, like he moves up on, on my list because of that. Um, Is that and then, you're talking Brandon Ennis? Yeah. I, I just thought that I saw a fire out of him that I think is extremely important to have um, that I wasn't sure if he had. I wasn't, you know, he's one of these kids who's really, really popular on the, on the seven on seven circuit. And sometimes those kids have a tendency to be a little bit diva ish and, uh, I wasn't sure if that was his personality or if he was this, I'm going to, you know, fight you until my hands bleed type. And seeing that he was the latter was a big plus for me. So that's like on my scouting report, like that's a check. That's a plus now for Brandon Minnis. Right. One of the intangibles. Right. And I think one of the reasons that you didn't see that before is because he, he did camp at Ohio state this summer, but he, he was already sort of uh, has mind made up that he was going to, commit to Oklahoma. So I think it was one of those sort of a, a trip to get, to get some extra work in and to make a trip with like some of his, some of his guys who, uh, who are all making the trip up to Ohio state to camp there. So I get, I wouldn't say he was going through the motions because a five-star receiver is not necessarily going to do that, especially not in front of Brian Hartline, but in front of the Ohio state coaches, but I guess he, what maybe that competitive fire wasn't necessarily there. I, I, you you have to compare contrast that because you you saw him at both events, but that was kind of my take when I saw him camp up here was sort of um, it, even though it was a big day with a bunch of uh, high profile cornerbacks and defensive backs there he he didn't I guess go all out at times and now I guess that's uh, that worry is that worry is put away huh yeah I mean I, I just think that it's a little different you never know in those settings I thought he was a, looked a little lethargic when he was in Columbus and I didn't know that it, I didn't he didn't stand out to me ahead of any other receivers that day not to say he was like bad or that he wasn't you know a, a sensational prospect but I maybe that was travel maybe he was fatigued from flying all around the country over and over I don't know but I just what I saw out of him this past weekend was different um 
Hakeem Williams, who is a wide receiver at Ohio State, visited last week, played on the same team as Brandon Ennis. Uh, and I thought Hakeem Williams, and I just you know published a story on Letterman Road this morning about five players I think Ohio State should offer um, from that battle seven-on-seven seven tournament in South Florida. And Hakeem Williams is the, the headliner of that group, six foot three, 200 pounds. You're talking a kind of one of those rare, raw, freak-type wide receivers that Ohio State just doesn't have. Um, With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think it's important at this juncture for Brian Hartline to be able to expand the options a little bit because the longer it goes with Carnell Tate, the more I think that the importance of playing early to him is rising. Uh, and, and if that's what is the most important thing to Carnell Tate, then it's probably not going to end up being Ohio State for him. And I think that that's a discussion he's going to have to have with Brian Hartline soon. And I think Brian Hartline will need to be very upfront with Carnell Tate about, hey, you're, you've been my guy, you're my guy, but I can't wait forever. Ohio State's not going to get caught in a position with the pants down and say, hey, we don't have options. Um, so Brian Hartline's really out there, active and aggressive, uh, recruiting other players right now. And I think it's what he has to do. I, there, there's certainly a lot of players that were, were impressive to me there. Um, another one is uh, Jalen Brown, a wide receiver from Gulliver Prep in Florida, who kind of reminds me of Crystal Lave. Uh, his size, six foot one, about 170 pounds, extremely smooth. He's a 10-6 guy in the 100, not like a, a burner, 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 but 10-6 is plenty fast. But he doesn't have like that frame that you look at and go, man, that's a Big Ten wide receiver. I actually think he might be a better cornerback prospect. But he doesn't want to play corner, but I know he said he was been in, been in touch with uh, Keenan Bailey a little bit and We'll see if Ohio State moves there. Um, uh, real then, quick, so sure. uh, like you said, try and put more eggs in more baskets because already lost Zachariah Branch to USC. Looks like Carnell Tate don't want to um, – you need to branch out, I guess, uh, for, for to different prospects and stuff. And that's why you see, I guess, Noah Rogers, Jonah Wilson, a couple recent receiver offers. You've talked about uh, – you've talked about in the past, we, we both have of – the receiver that Brian Hartline kind of likes to uh, go after is sort of all in that same body mold, like that six foot, six one, they can kind of move outside and inside. Is that what you're seeing from these new guys in this 23 cycle? Cause that, that's how, how with the exception of Caleb Brown, the 2022 receiver uh, signees are all sort of that same body mold. Is it, are they gonna kind of going to that same direction again in the 23 class from what you've seen? Well, if you look at Rogers, if you look at, Innis, if you look at um, Rico Flores out in California, who might be one of the top prospects on the board for Ohio State right now at wide receiver um, from Folsom Mountain, California, like these are all the same type, as you mentioned. So they're in that 6'1", 6'2", range, 190 pounds. And you want to have guys that are twitchy, but you want to have guys that are big enough to go out and win on the outside. So, yeah, I mean, you guys like Carnell Tate, who's a little taller, and then Hakeem Williams, like I said, who's six foot three, uh, are a little bit of an exception. But at this point, it's about finding good players. And, and you look at the roster, and you're trying to balance it. You know, we talked like about coaching alignment and, uh, on shows before about how you want to have this coach to do this and this coach to do this. Positions are the same way. 
That's why a guy like Mark Fletcher from American Heritage, the running back offered by Ohio State last week, is important. Because if you look at the other running backs on the roster, and then you stack him next to a six foot two, two hundred thirty pound Mark Fletcher who looks more like a Brian Robinson type at Alabama, one of those big just sledgehammers, you need both. Uh, you know, you have to be able to provide both parts of the offense, and so it's all about balance, um, really. And you have a guy like Caleb Brown. There are other smaller receivers out there. Ohio State's still looking at one of them. I saw in Florida was Ryan Niblett from Texas, extremely fast. He's like a 10-3 guy in the hundred blazer, but I think he might be a little too small and maybe more of a gadget player than a wide receiver. Uh, I, I think that being a wide receiver is a mentality, and I and I think there is a different approach for kids who are just get me the ball any way you can types, um, which I appreciate. And I certainly see the value for that in, in offenses. If you look at like Tyreek Hill, for example, I mean, get him the ball any way you can. When you're that fast, get him the ball. But Tyreek Hill is also rocked up and 215 pounds. And, you know, he's not slight, not a guy that you think, man, I don't know if that guy can take a hit type. So um, there is a balance for sure. And in, in Ohio State, uh, there's a lot of players. And I, I, I've written a lot about the guys in the last couple of days on Letterman Row and talked about him in the Letterman Lounge. Um, talking about now and talking stuff presented by buyers auto that were on the ground in Florida. I'm going to see a lot more this spring. You're going to see some coming up here in St. Louis. Uh, as you go see Christian gray, who was in Florida is a guy you're seeing this week. And, you know, I think he's one of the more interesting prospects in this cycle right now, Zach, because we just don't know what's going to happen to cornerback for Ohio state. The, the relationship with AJ Harris is restarting. We'll see how that really plays out as Florida and North Carolina surge. So Christian gray is a kid who, it's pretty important at this point uh, if, and that's the big asterisk, right? If Tim Walton and Perry Eliano say this is the guy we want. That's what he, Christian Gray sort of provides a perfect microcosm, right? Of, of this uh, 23 recruiting, especially cornerback, but sort of just overall of, of one coach who's been at Ohio state, who has been building a relationship with him for so long is now gone. And now you have the new coaches who not like we keep saying over and over again, or maybe just I keep saying over and over again, it's it's not just the do the coaches believe he's a scheme fit and a talent fit. It's are they a personality fit? What, like, does this kind of square up? And that's what is still sort of t uh, TBD, I guess, on Christian Gray, which is something I'm really uh, excited to go and kind of get uh, get his thoughts of in person over over in St. Louis this week, because. I want to know, like, how's that going? What's the what's the personality fit? Do you see are Tim Walton and Perry Aliano, this new staff, are they sort of um, someone you could see yourself playing for? Or is it just it, it's maybe it's too soon to know that because it's just more of an introduction. And he also the 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 um, extra dynamic of his old coach at DeSmet, Robert Steeples, is now an assistant on the LSU staff. So. And Christian Gray just got offered by LSU, what, a week, two weeks ago. So that adds an extra dynamic, too, of now he's getting pulled in different directions. And I know Notre Dame also has a good uh, good in with him. So a lot what's of interesting here, Zach, what's crazy? I'm a little interested to find out. I, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to cut you off, but what's crazy is that Ohio State is in this position where they have to play catch up, so to speak, not just with him, but a lot of other players, A.J. Harris, as I mentioned. Um, but the interesting thing is that all these other schools that are recruiting them are doing the same thing because they all have new coaching staffs. I mean, if you look at the AJ Harris recruitment, and, and that's certainly one we follow closely here, and I know a lot of people around the country don't think Ohio State's a really a contender in that battle. We do and have for a while. Um, if you look 
LSU changed coaches, Alabama changed coaches, Clemson changed coaches, Notre Dame changed coaches, uh, Ohio State changed coaches. So that's why North Carolina, who hasn't changed coaches, is sort of slowly but steadily becoming, I think, the favorite to land A.J. Harris. And then you have Florida with the momentum from Corey Raymond, who's a guy that he knew at least from LSU uh, at Florida. Now that's getting momentum because it's still always about the relationships. And so Ohio State is a bit behind here, but they're not as far behind as they would be in a normal cycle where the coaching carousel hadn't gone, you know, crazy town, banana pants. Yeah, I get. I don't really have much more to add to it. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, what else we got going on? Uh, oh, Jackson Arnold, who I think was Ohio State's top quarterback target in the class of 2023. Uh, he committed to Oklahoma uh, over the weekend. I don't think the Buckeyes are out of that battle yet. I, I think they're going to keep pushing for Jackson. I think he is their top quarterback target in that class. But it's interesting to see where they go from here. I watched Nico Iamaleva and um, um, Dante Moore this weekend in Florida. They were both pretty good at times and pretty okay at others and pretty bad at others. So uh, it was a weird weekend for quarterbacks. I didn't see anyone really stand out like consistently. I thought the best quarterback that I watched was an unranked, unoffered 2024 quarterback named Frankie Weaver from Maryland, who uh, was the, the quarterback that knocked out Brandon Ennis' team. Uh, which had Cormani McLean and Cedric Hawkins and um, uh, Damon Fagan and a bunch of other highly ranked defensive backs. He's the one that knocked them out. and was absolutely spectacular when I watched him. But like, I don't know at this point, and we have a lot of time to talk about Ohio State 2023 quarterback recruiting, but it's being talked about on Letterman Lounge, so I want to dive into it a bit. They're just not hurrying. There's no reason for them to rush into saying, oh, now we got to find another quarterback. Berm. You don't know what they're doing in 2023 quarterback recruiting. Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning. Oh. Get his name in there. Like Beetlejuice, say it three times. I bet you're you're going to be excited to have to answer the Arch Manning questions over and over until he finally makes the decision. And it's not going to be Ohio State. It's quite possible. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be Ohio State for Arch Manning. Let's just be clear. I do think that Ohio State's just in a position where they have to no reason to hurry. You have one more year of CJ Stroud. You have then a battle uh, for the starting quarterback in 2023 behind and with Kyle McCord, the likely guy, and Devin Brown backing him up for one year. Then Kyle McCord moves on. And so the transfer portal, with the way everything is going on right now, like why would Ohio State need to panic and find a 2023 high school quarterback that isn't going to be the right fit for them? when they're literally going to be able to go out and pick any other quarterback they want in the country uh, in seven or eight months. So, yeah, that's, that's the track record that Ryan day has. Now he's earned that. Uh, you still have to kind of believe that even if they wait until November, that they're still probably going to get some uh, highly high profile guy, highly ranked, highly ranked guy in that class, or they'll get someone in the portal because that's sort that's been Ryan day's MO so far. And it's, Another interesting dynamic is that he is he's proven he's shown that he and he's talked about it uh, publicly that he wants one of those elite level guys every class, because I think in his words, he did an interview with the athletics, Bill Landis of you just don't know, like even I don't know. So like for sure, if that kid's going to be if that kid's going to work out and develop into somebody who that who, who can we we can depend on to run our offense and run our program. I mean. So you you have to believe that he's going to do that again at this point because he's done it four or five cycles in a row, right? 
I mean, yeah, and, and these players, these players are still so young. I mean, these quarterbacks, most of them have played one year of varsity football. It's not a position where Ohio State needs to rush. I mean, think about even on the current Buckeyes rosters. Eh? We were talking what's January 26th right now. We were talking four months ago that oh, maybe, you know, people were saying maybe CJ Stroud's not the guy. Maybe he's not the leader for this team. Maybe, like, and now look, the situation changes completely. And when you're talking about high school quarterbacks, four months from now, would be May. Ohio State's going to have plenty of opportunities to see these 2023 quarterbacks out in spring ball, throwing the football. You're going to have a lot of guys back on campus for camps in June. That's when the the real push is going to be made at that at that spot. And I think it's interesting because I know in recruiting. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So many times we talk about the quarterback being the, the leader of the class and the dynamic guy to start the class. That's just not going to happen for Ohio State in this cycle, which is all the more important becomes a guy like Luke Montgomery, who I want to wrap up today's episode talking about Luke because there has been what seems to be an absolute push for Ohio State, uh, really for the first time, um, to make sure that Luke Montgomery knows that not only do they want him on their pro, in their team and on the program or in the program on the team, whatever. This, this last couple of weeks stretch is the first time we've really seen the Buckeyes go kind of all in on Luke. And I, I don't know if it's because they feel like they have to now because Michigan and other schools are starting to really kind of surge or if it's just now that, Hey, 2022 is behind us. Let's move on to 23 and Luke, you're our guy. Yeah. And I thought it was, I thought it's been important all along to get him in the class because he has, he's built up so many connections with in-state guys, national guys. And he has that perfect, like, like that presidential prom King personality that's sort of, magnetic just like the jack sawyer in his class and cj in his class to be the the core leader of that group and i know ohio state a few months back was making that push to say hey get in the class man get in the class so that you, we can start we can start building this thing but and he just kept putting it off putting it off of a decision like not that not that he was right around the corner of making one but right. um he did keep putting it off and trying to sort of look at all angles here and look at all his options. And I just think, I, I think he would be the perfect core leader of that class. But if he's not making a decision around the corner, then he, they're, the core of their class might already be, uh, be intact by the time he makes the decision, but we'll, we'll see, I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah. The expectation for right now is for Luke to make a decision at the end of the spring. So sometime in May, that's pretty much always been, his timeline, at least since November, that was originally his timeline was end of November. Once he got to November and things are up in the air, a lot of ways with coaches and stuff like that, it's just, Hey, let's, let's push this off. And there is another dynamic with Luke that I think has to be considered. And that's everywhere Luke goes on a visit. It helps his brother also. And it helps Ryan get some more exposure and gets people to see him as a, as a young quarterback. And those two things are not uh, mutually exclusive, but it does help. And I think that there is some component where Ohio State and other schools around the country just realize that they're the the Montgomery visit tour 
also includes Ryan. And so that is part of what's going on. But for Luke, I think you'll see official visits taken in the spring. I'm pretty sure we'll see Ohio State. Uh, I don't even know if Ohio State will get one of those, to be honest, uh, because they probably don't need to. He's been there so many times. Now, maybe he would take one in, in June. If he did commit to Ohio State in, in May, maybe he'd be there on the, the big you know, commitment weekend like they've been doing the last few years. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see him out at Oklahoma and USC and maybe Clemson uh, and, you know, maybe Penn State, maybe Georgia, who knows, one of these schools that he hasn't got to a lot of times for his officials. So, I mean, everything's still up in the air there, but I do know that Justin Fry and Ryan Day have made a huge push there in the last two weeks because so is Jim Harbaugh and the entire Michigan staff. And uh, it's just going to be fun to watch, right? That's why we like recruiting. So much stuff happening. So much stuff, such a busy time, and I, I got nothing else to add for these fine people watching and listening. So you no. you take us home, big dog. This, this is it. I mean, we got one week to signing day, folks. Uh, LettermanRow.com. You can follow myself and Zach on Twitter. He's at Zach underscore Carp. I'm at Berm. We just like to talk about stuff, and we like to be presented by Buyers Auto, and we appreciate you being here. Go to uh, LettermanRow.com, sign up for the On3 Network, join us in the Letterman Lounge, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things that you do for people you like. If you don't like us, you can just hate like us, I guess. That's fine, too. Thanks for watching. See you. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.